This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Pet Chat. And I'm Jane Klein. Dr. David Tabret is with us again today and Danny Boss as well. And David, what's your special subject today? I'm going to shine the light on the new technologies that are coming along, helping out pets and uh, pet owners and, uh, and their vets as well. So there's some really interesting stuff out there. Welcome to Pet Chat, and as I say, we have Dr. David Tabret with us, we have Danny Boss with us as well, and we'll be talking about technology, and we'll also be talking about pet events. Pet events, some pet news about winter as well, uh-huh. Jane, Lots and of uh, talking about reptile stuff too. Oh good, mm. all that coming up, and we are happy to take your calls from half past twelve. Keep them ready. Keep your questions ready. Okay, your special subject today, David. Um, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's uh, obviously technology is such a big part of our lives and new and innovative things. And so I was thinking about, uh, you know, what does it mean for pet owners and, and well, for vets as well because we're utilising a lot of these things. I think one of the most obvious things I can think of is microchipping, that um, so many pets now can be rehomed easily because they have uh, been microchipped, and I'd encourage everyone, and it's the law, uh, to make sure their pets are microchipped because it really does make a difference. Uh, there's a little bit of um, misconception about that, so I'll clear it up. Is Microchips don't contain your details, okay? So they're not implanted with your information. They don't radiate. They uh, don't send signals to aliens in space and things like that. But what they do is they're just a little... A radio transmitting device that can be sensed by a reader that actually has, um, sorry, radio frequency device that uh, has a, a unique number. And so when they're implanted, the number is scanned before the chip is scanned and we make sure it all matches up. Now, your number, when we scan the pet, if they're which missing... Is, which ends to be... a. App to be about a twenty-digit number. Oh doesn't yeah, it? yeah, it's, it's very long. <laughs> it's longer than my credit card number. <laughs> I can remember my credit card, but I can't remember my pet's uh, microchip number. Um, Would and it help if you did? Is there any point in trying to remember the number? Yeah, good point. <laughs> I'm a numbers person. I just love numbers, so that's why. Um, but what happens when we get lost pets that come in in the middle of the night we scan them and we find the number and then we can ring the uh, animal registry now there's a couple the the government have set up the um, uh, companion animal register which uh, all dogs have to be on and I always have trouble keeping up with the law pretty sure all adult cats now and what happens is we can scan that and and get the details so that we can contact the pet owners very quickly. And that can, you know, middle of the night, particularly if they're injured, that's very important. There's also some private databases that operate uh, Australia-wide because the companion animal registry is only in New South Wales. Do um, all animals at home count as companion animals? Or is that uh, specifically referred to animals with people who are no it's just um, a term that's taken from the companion animal act which was introduced um, back in the early 2000s where this um, became part of the law so it's not specifically referring to the um, the purpose for which the animal serves but um, in terms of the species dogs and cats are covered under that act Uh, a lot of people actually microchip other animals as well like horses and um, rabbits and ferrets and birds and even reptiles. Um, so there's some people who are collectors or breeders or so on who have reptile 
expensive pythons and things like that, they'll actually have them implanted, and that's a safeguard against um, theft, I guess. And that is also an important fact that if you are rehoming your pet and it's it's microchipped, you need to make sure that the details yeah. in that companion animal register are changed to the new owner. Absolutely. Keep when when you um, go in and it's done, they actually send out. Uh, you fill in the paperwork and then at the vets or whoever does the implanting, and then they um, send that off to the registry and you get a certificate back. Now it's like registering a car. Then if you actually do transfer it your ownership of the animal you do have to transfer the registration details so that um, if the pet gets scanned at a later date um, you know the original owner doesn't get a phone call at 2am and says no I sold that dog three years ago and ideally even if you're changing uh, you know sold your house you could change the address. Absolutely. If you've got change of phone numbers, phone mobile numbers. and home numbers, you yes. need to change that. That's one of the things we find is a real problem is that we scan them and then the registry says, oh, look, these phone numbers aren't current. Hmm. And so we get into problems there. So make sure you keep up with that. Is and that th- done through the council? Uh, no, it's a state... Um, the Companion Animal Act in very much in part is administered by council, their activities like council rangers, um, but the whole registry process and the laws requiring that are a state government um, process. So it's sort of an integration between the two. So to change your details, for example? Well, the, um, for, there's uh, information on the New South Wales government website. And so that's where you would yeah. go to the, the NS, government? nsw.gov.au. Mm. Uh, that's just one instance, and I think it's made a m- remarkable difference. In the veterinary side of things, we've actually got the ability now with technology we can access specialists to look at uh, say Mm. x-rays laboratory tests blood tests ecgs ultrasounds uh, 24 hours a day around the world and one of the beauties of this is that even at nine um, which is when i turn to work if we don't have specialists in australia available we've got specialists say in the united states that we can access so we can get a specialist opinion on say an x-ray in the middle of the night, like just within a couple of hours. So it's remarkable. Amazing. Yeah, there's there's some limits to what we can do. But if, as uh, things like digital radiography becomes more available, the cost of that is coming down, although it's still about $50,000 just to get started with that. And what that means is we're not using, also we're not using chemicals in dark rooms. So it's more space in our hospital, but it's also less OH&S issues and things like that. And we get better images and we can then transmit them wherever we want to go and we can even send i know there's a specialist surgeon in sydney who utilizes technology fabulously he sends out a dvd of your animal's operation mm, send wow. you a video wow. because in wouldn't the want, wouldn't want to be squeamish <laughs> would you? in the in the lights now and this comes from human hospitals in the operating lights they've actually got in the handles they've got video cameras wow. so they're directly over the site and that can be linked back to a dvd that's amazing stuff isn't it yeah. isn't it great yeah one of the other things i've heard that's available now too most recently is dialysis as well for your pets yeah um obviously been around for a long time with people and increasing all the time we've used a a technique called peritoneal dialysis so animals with renal failure uh, kidney failure that might have suffered say a toxin effect if um, we can treat them peritoneal dialysis is where we put fluid into the abdomen and then the toxins leach out and we take the fluid out but it's a very slow process it's laborious it has a lot of potential complications and hemodialysis where the blood is actually taken out of the body filtered and then put back in, just like with people, 
can be done for your pets. Mm. Uh, it's a specialist procedure, and um, at the moment the units are in Sydney. But, um, you know, for those animals that have got a good prognosis that we can treat, then we've got this ability to use uh, hemodialysis. So it's, you know, it's a fantastic resource, and all of these things are coming on all the time. CT scanning, uh, laparoscopic surgery, all of the things you hear about for your for your own health, you can now get for your pet as well. Mm, pretty amazing technology these days. You're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat and 49216216 is the number for you to ring if you've got a question you'd like to put to David. Roz has rung in. Hello, Roz. Hello, Jane, David and Danny. Hi. Hi, Hi. Roz. Um, my question is about our cat. I'd like to ask how long does it take for a very vicious kitten turn into a nice gentle cat oh <laughs> how what's your what's your little kitten's name oliver oliver so how old's oliver at the moment seven and a half months seven and a half months yes and is he desexed? yes yes is he still aggressive extremely aggressive he bites so uh-huh. hard through our clothes ouch how my socks Yes. And he draws blood and and he bites our neck. Now, has he? have you got any other animals? Yes, we've got an old 16-year-old cat. Right. And, and she's in a nervous stress state right. with him. <laughs> and uh, any dogs? No dogs. No, and no children there? No young children, no. Okay. One comes to visit my granddaughter and he bites her. That's just what I'm concerned about sure yeah yes. so when's when is the biting happening is he pouncing at you or is yes, it yes he stalks yes he's like a little lion right all right what you need to do there's a couple of reasons why this happens but it is as you say it's um it's sort of like play behavior that they yes, instinctively it's know playful. it's playing yes but but it, it it's very vicious it, yes it does it in a very vicious way yeah needle sharp teeth and um yes. You know, as um, play behaviour is always a model for adult behaviour, but what we need to do is change that. So there needs to be some adverse response to that. Now, the easiest thing is you need to go down to a toy shop or a local supermarket, buy a water pistol. We've got the sprays. Right. We've got them in the lounge room and in the kitchen. How are they going? Well... He jumps off when you spray him, but he keeps coming back. Okay. Um, if you make sure the sprays are on jet, because yes. it's really got to startle him. Yes, he hates that. Yeah. Um, people always get a bit funny if we say start shooting the cat with a water pistol. No, but I know it doesn't hurt him. <laughs> no, that's right. And, and the idea is... Get him off the table and the, and the, and the sink. Yes. Yeah. But um, he keeps coming back. All right. More. Um, alternative play behaviours as well, so that you take him from that environment and give him something else to do. So um, you can use someone... You can buy these things. They're like, like fishing rods, long yeah. poles with dangly yes, pieces. Yep, they're yes. good. Um, the other thing is a laser light, but um, can you still get them, Danny? Because um, I know they took a lot of them off the market after all those aircraft incidents. Yes, I think, um, I think they are still available. The laser yeah. light um, little um, probes yeah. that you can oh. move around. So what you do is you shine them on the wall and they jiggle around and the 
the kitten Oliver will get really interested in um, jumping and pouncing yeah, at that. Yeah, we do that with the torch actually, the yes. little torch. Yeah, David, but, um, is there is there any point in looking at those Feliway? Um, Horm- what's that like? Hormonal Fel- product. Yeah, Feliway is like uh, used for stress and anxiety. Yeah, and um, it may have a benefit, but I wouldn't be hanging my hat on that right. in this circumstance. What's that called? Feliway. F e l i w a y. It's a plug-in, and it it, it oh, em- yes. emits a, a um. It emits a pheromone. Pheromone. Yeah, I saw um, that on TV once. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a very calming. Um, right. product and right. it's co- used more for anxiety disorders and um, it sounds to me like it's a there's a lot of energy Oliver's got a lot of energy and it's just being channeled in the wrong direction yes we so, actually, he's really good on we've trained him on, on the harness yes and we take him out the backyard and to try and calm him down a bit yeah get, get it out of him he jumps around and yeah Ros also any toys that you've got that you're playing with him, make sure they've been sprayed with catnip. Oh. Uh, even um, the the posts that you might have in the house, yeah, the scratch posts. We've got the scratch posts. Spray post, it with heaps, heaps of toys. catnip, and catnip is an attractant, and they love it. So and he'll preferably go for those items rather than for your ankles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's, yeah. He's, he's gorgeous looking and a pretty little face and beautiful soft coat, and he looks at you, and next thing... He'll yes. you, then he'll bite. He's an out-of-control adolescent. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Let's hope you've got some ideas to carry with you, Roz. Thanks for your call. 49216216 is the number to ring. And Robert has rung in now. Hello, Robert. Morning, team. Sorry, afternoon, team. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Uh, two questions. We've got um, a, a three-month-old that's got razor-sharp teeth, and he's obviously biting. My concern is if he bites the soft toys, will he still bite everything else? So is he a cat or a dog, Robert? Oh, sorry, yeah, that'd be a big help, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's, a, he's a miniature foxy named Rex, and we reckon yeah. he's going to go from a small Rex to a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rex, he's going to do some Rexing as well on the way with W-R-E-C-K. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to what we're talking about with yeah. Roz, is that at that age, these play behaviours are a model for their adult behaviours, so they need to be channelled. And the best thing I find, dogs, it's a little bit different management of it to cats because dogs are, um, we can channel them into doing some more, um, um, gee whiz, the word misses me. Uh, Behavioural. Maybe control. Modification. Yeah, yeah. yeah, training. Yeah. Training. <laughs> Obedience. He's, at Obedience. The he's, at the moment he's channeling it into the other problem, which is the seven-month-old um, um, fox terrier, Jack uh-huh. Russell, that... Uh, we ended up with as well. So you've got two dogs in the house. Oh, there's several others. Yeah. <laughs> you got to put your hand up for that, Robert, so we get an idea of what's yes. happening. So um, at least two. Okay, so the young ones, their behaviours. What you need to do is some obedience training, and the first thing I like to do is you distract them and then ask them to sit, and that's all. That's all we need to do. And the right. I- the idea is that um, you're getting their attention. And then you're able to reward them because they've done something for you, okay? And behaviour rewarded is behaviour repeated. So if you you distract them and get them to face you and ask them to sit, you can give them a reward straight away. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, a real encouragement for them to stop doing the other Mm behaviours. Now, dogs, young dogs, do need to exercise their jaws as well. Mm -hmm. So as you know, there's appropriate chewing toys and so on on the market. Just be careful with um, if you're feeding bones and things. I had a dog in the other night that had a 
a bit of a cut bone that was caught on its teeth for two days right. and ended up with quite a bad infection and trauma to its mouth. So, so I, technically, cook bones aren't really ideal. We get the, ooh, the, the no, chicken, no, no, no. we get the chicken necks, yeah, and they, we give them those. I like, I, which, I which call are not them cooked, obviously. Yeah, I like dinosaur bones. Dinosaur um, bones, you're right, eh? The biggest ones you can get, right? And don't let them, don't let the butcher cut them for you. Oh, okay. Uh, it's stupid me feeling sorry for them and breaking them up when just no. let them right. No, because the idea is that they're going to chew and they're mm. chewing on the sinew and the tendons on the outside. Right. And that helps to exercise their jaw and brush their gums as well. Okay. Okay. But yeah. getting them the behaviour thing, obedience, if you go, first of all, straight to asking them to sit mm-hmm. and then you can reward them. And so then they'll, uh, if you call them, they'll come over and sit in front of you straight away because they know there's going to be some reward. You can use little treats and uh, food items and a bit of kibble or something and gradually make sure you always incorporate praise Mm -hmm. so that you can transition from food rewards to uh, attention and behave and, you know, touch and so on uh, because you won't always have food available. Right. And the other problem is the older dog, as you just heard, doesn't like the younger ones yapping. So how can we get her to (laughs) put her in a different room, basically? Uh, no, the she's being a mother probably, and yet sometimes she's not always. How does it show up that she doesn't like him? Just the growling you just heard. Oh, okay. Well, that's just a communication strategy to say you watch your place, young fella. Right. Um, you know, I run this side of the house, and you're going the whole house. Oh, right, she runs the whole house. So that inc- that behaviour, whilst it sounds a little bit scary at times, is a mechanism for controlling the hierarchy and what's going to develop. You've got multiple dogs, and so in a pack situation, you have to have someone at the top. Right. Now, that's you, mm-hmm. not the dog, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it, it is a, a hierarchy yeah. where you have that's the dog underneath. The next one underneath. Yes. Right. All right, okay. Thank you for that. All the best, and do take care, and thank you for the program. Thank you. And, and you're listening to 2 and RFM's Pet Chat. Rosalie has joined us on 49216216. Hello, Rosalie. Hello. I was just ringing about my... 10-year-old Staffy, mm-hmm. she's continually licking her feet. She just won't stop. She's been doing it for about two months now. Okay. Now, did this happen last year, Rosalie? No. It's the first time I've noticed it with her. Okay. And have you had a look at the feet? Yeah, I had a look. We can't see anything wrong with them. But okay. She just continually licks and it, it, she sort of wets all the bed and everything from where she's continually licking. Oh, goodness. Um, and is it just the front feet or the back feet as well? No, the front feet. Just the front feet. Yeah. There's a couple of things spring to mind. Uh, commonly we do see uh, dogs with allergies that develop that habit where they're licking at their feet because the contact with things like grass and so on coming through their feet. I'm a little bit... I'm thinking that's less likely in this case because uh, it's only a recent development. Generally dogs that have that condition, it's usually from a very young age. And also they're often at all four feet. The other reason we see that dogs will lick their feet like this is anxiety. Yes, well, she, she is an anxious sort of a dog. You know, mm. she is on um, anxiety tablets. Okay. It's, uh, it's what we call a displacement behaviour. So they're sitting in the corner. They might be scared about something or there's something that they're anxious about. And uh, it's the idea is, well, if I just sit in the corner and lick my feet and lick my feet and lick my feet, then I don't have to think about the anxiety. And it's being used as a way to deal with something else that's going on. Um, okay. So if the, one of the goals with medication 
is to allow that behaviour to subside and to deal with the real anxiety. And so I'd say then that the medication isn't really achieving what it needs to. So if if you've addressed this before and she's on medication, I think you need to revisit that idea, talk to your vet about her behaviour and that she's still showing these signs of anxiety. Okay. And there's there's various anxiety medications, as you know. So sometimes you might need a change or other things need to happen in terms of behavioural modification to try and help her out. Okay. All right. Good Thank luck, with, good luck no with that one, Rosalie. Diane has rung in now. Diane, hello. Oh, good afternoon. I was just wondering, um, should a dog be stung by a bee or a wasp? What's the best thing to do immediately? That's a very good question. It's something we see quite a bit of um, where dogs are sniffing around in the garden yeah. or out in the yard and there's, there's flower, uh, flowers and so there's bees and wasps and so on. They're like us. They can have uh, reactions to them. Now, that could be a localised reaction where they just get some swelling, pain and sometimes some hives, but some animals are also quite allergic and so they can end up having an anaphylactic reaction where they can go into shock and collapse. Now, that's pretty rare. I'd say in I've seen maybe three dogs with anaphylactic reactions in 20 years and dogs that have insect bite allergies. They don't have to be bees and wasps. Uh, wasps. They can be mosquitoes as well or ants. We would see probably one or two a week. So the relative frequency, uh, dogs have minor reactions. Um, what would you do at home? First of all, uh, if you can see the sting, remove it. Okay, and right. the best way is to brush it out. So oftentimes, for in- instance, with a bee, is that there may be some more venom that can be um, injected. So you brush it out rather than try and pinch it and remove it that way. The other thing is that if you know that your dog is allergic or you've had this scenario before, talk to your veterinarian about a suitable antihistamine medication that might be used. And oftentimes giving that in the very early stages can make sure that the problem doesn't progress any further. And the final thing I would say is if in a dog, if they vomit and have a reaction, like as in um, uh, they get hives on their skin, little lumps on the skin, just like people get, if, and if they vomit, then you need to get them to a vet straight away because that's a very serious sign. Oh, right. Okay, so brush it out. Talk about antihistamines. There are a few that are available. Um, they're prescription medications, so I can't run through all the details with you on air, but you need to talk to your vet about what's the most appropriate one to use. Well, so far, so good. It's just she tends to go into mm. the chase whenever there's a bee or a wasp around. Yes. And I thought, well, maybe it might be the day where she does get stung. Yes, and sometimes they'll chase them and actually swallow them and get bitten mm. in their throat, and that can be a disastrous emergency. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you need to be aware, and you know, I just tell people, look, mow the yard and try and keep... But, you know, they can't. you can't keep them away from everything all the time. And that's the same with those annoying marsh flies that get around. Mm. They tend to bite as well. Yeah, and they, they do cause quite a nasty reaction um, through their own, the biting action. Mm. Not so much an envenomation as occurs with wasps and bees. And things like that. Yeah. No, no, so there's nothing like with those type of flies that you can put on as a repellent or anything? Oh, like there's that. plenty of insect repellents, yeah. Yeah, so most uh, pet stores and, and veterinary clinics all have a, an array of... Pet stores are probably the best because mm. there's a couple of, um, you know, different products that are suitable in that to use in that environment as oh. a repellent. And if you know that um, there's a lot of 
for instance, we see a lot of dogs where flies and mosquitoes bite their ears, mm. and you can actually get uh, repellent creams to put on. On those. Yeah. Right. Mm. And you can spray your dog with insect repellents that are suitable for dogs. Just no, be very careful because there are some that can be toxic to animals. Yeah, I just right. think that when they lick, I just wondered. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, good luck okay. with that, Diane. Thanks for your question. And Sue joins us now. Hello, Sue. Hi, how are you? Hi, Sue. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, I, I think I've got a little bit of my answers um, from the question I had with Rosalie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a dog that's he's 10 years old and he's a very anxious dog. And we've had quite a uh, change at the moment. We've left the house that he's been used to for 10 years and we're living um, with my mum at the moment. Uh, until we move again so he's mm. a little bit stressed out so um the vet has actually put him on a human medication called lovan sorry um, what was it called lovan l-o-v-a-n all oh, right yeah. okay he's put him on that to settle him down because he actually got out and got hit by a car and uh yeah so he was quite upset and, and quite anxious about you know being here so we've got him on that at the moment yeah um but he's doing what um rosalie was talking about he's doing the the licking of the feet he has been doing that for a number of years but he mainly um centers on the two front ones yeah and yep. i think now that you've explained about the anxiousness um that could be to do with that yeah displacement um, behavior yeah yeah, That's so he right. gets to the point where they actually bleed. His feet actually bleed, and he won't let you anywhere near them. He won't let you touch them to to help him out in any way. So yep. I just try to distract him when he's doing it. Yes, and and sometimes reassurance is helpful, but you do need to be careful that you're not reassuring the behaviour. Okay. So the reassurance has to be you stop the behaviour and then provide the reassurance. Okay. Um, and that, we often see that in dogs that do that sort of behavior for all sorts of things it could be thunderstorms like a very quick onset or it could be something that's more long-standing like you're facing yeah okay mm. well what i'm doing when i see him actually chewing his toes is stopping him i, I try to distract him with the ball because he loves his ball yep. Yep. um and when he stops he immediately stops i just tell him what a good boy he is yes excellent that's so exactly that's what you need to do okay yeah but the problem I have now, because we're in Mum's yard now and he's just roaming around constantly looking for blue-tongued lizards and whatever he can find, mm-hmm. he's now starting to scratch all over and uh, he's getting to the point where other parts of his body are a little bit... Um, or that some parts are bleeding from him scratching and all night he's awake and scratching and uh, right. foot yep. in his ear, scratching. And we've had the vet check him over when he had his needles a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, couldn't find any ear mites or any problems in there. Um, so we're wondering whether he's sort of allergic to a lot of the plants and things in Mum's yard. Oftentimes with a change of environment that can happen, that you can have a very stable pet for a long time and then you move and then they start to get reactions because they might have developed tolerance for 10 years where he was living. He's had some underlying allergies, but he develops tolerance and now new environment and so these allergies flare up. And using, um, we've talked about before on the show, is uh, medicated shampoo um, and often the aloe vera oatmeal blends are very helpful and need to do that probably twice a week and even just a rinse with water to help take things, uh, pollen and stuff off the skin. Okay. Antihistamines, again, are helpful, but you do need to be careful. If he's on uh, other medication for behaviour modification, there can be interactions. So very important to talk to your vet about what's an appropriate medication and make sure that there's no... Um, cr- cross-reaction between the medications. Just in case of any allergies too, I'd recommend just go on a sensitive skin, uh, dry dog food mm. diet as well. Yeah, mm. diet can often play a big role in it mm. also. So, But the change of house means that's why you're getting these allergies flaring up. 
Okay. So good luck with all yeah. of that, Sue. Now, just time for one quick call more, and Joy joins us. Hello, Joy. Hello, yes. Hi, Joy. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. What can we do for you? Uh, well, I've got two foxies, uh-huh. uh, father and son. Father's four years old, son's two-year-old. And son is a real sookie. If I go inside and close the door behind me, even though he's outside with Dad, it's mm-mm-mm-mm, sookin', sookin', sookin'. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or if he gets upset, um, he, he, like his father went missing yesterday. I went yep. moved to a new place. Yep. His father went missing yesterday, then he started biting his arm. Oh, okay. Um, what's happening is he's, he's very strongly connected to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, who feeds the dogs? I do. All right. Who pats the dogs? I do. Who baths the dogs? I do. Who walks the dogs? Me, yeah. <laughs> I can do you, Can you see a pattern emerging? Yes. Yes. So they're, they're, the, they're the, relying on me on everything. And so when you leave their presence, they want to be with you. Yes. It's only natural. So what I would suggest you do, the quickest way to get around this, yes. okay, you need to have someone else feed them. Oh, okay. Okay, you've got to do it for two weeks, and you have absolutely, you have to ignore them totally. Yeah. All right? Feeding is very important because that's the thing they connect most quickly to, but your attention to them at any stage, you have to ignore them. Uh-huh. All right? And so that they're going to start to seek uh, affection and reassurance from other people in the in the household. Right, okay. Okay? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tougher for you than it is for them. Yeah, well, see, I, I live on my own. Okay. And this is why this has happened, I suppose, because I've got someone okay. to feed them, only me. Yeah. Is there, is there someone else who can come in to feed them once a day? Um, well, they just moved house and the new neighbours here, see. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. This might make it a bit tougher. What I would do is you still feed them, just provide them with very little in terms of um, that interaction, okay. okay, and they'll actually start to rely upon each other and obviously provide lots of other things in the yard, that they can chew and play with as well. Yeah, they okay. can the ball and they'll yep. play with that and chase each other. And some uh, some Kongs to chew on that you can put food in and it keeps them occupied for a long period of time. Sorry, what are they? Kongs, K-O-N-G. Oh, yes. And they're actually hollow chew toys and you can put food in them and that way it gives them something to do for a longer period of time. Oh, I've seen that mm. um, on Dr. Harry, yeah. Yeah, that would be very helpful for you in this case. Okay. All right. Good luck with all those right. ideas, Joy. Thank you. Good luck, Joy. Thank you. And uh, that's almost the end of Pet Chat, but, Danny, you've got a pet event you want to tell us about. Well, it's one of the biggest shows on, on the calendar here in Newcastle at the Hillsborough Dog Show Grounds because we've got six shows this weekend, Friday during the day, Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday, and Sunday afternoon. But the big specialty is that the fact is that the Northern Gun Dog Society is holding their show, happens once a year, and there's going to be a wide variety of gun dogs, lots of different gun dogs to see and choose and, and talk to lots of different gun dog breeders. So breeds that are in the gun dog uh, group are things like Labradors, Golden Retrievers, the Cocker Spaniels, the Weimaranas, Pointers. So there's quite a few there to have a look. Anyone interested? interested in that type of dog, ideally go to the Hillsborough Dog Show grounds this weekend and talk to one of the breeders. And I think we look forward to your telling us a little bit more when we've got more time, Danny. Yes, we have run out of time. different kinds we? of gun dogs. And I'm, I think that's really quite interesting. I don't suppose they're used all that much for gun dogging these days. Not these days. <laughs> Not in a city anyway. <laughs> so thank you very much, David Tabrat. Thanks, Jane. And Danny Boss. Thank you, Jane. I'm Jane Klein and we will be... 
chatting about pets again next Friday after the midday news.